Welcome to Productive Flow, where we answer the eternal question, why can't I get myself to do the things I know I should be doing? Here's the secret I've found. Productivity is rooted in emotion. True productivity and success come only when we heal the emotions driving our behaviors and remove all those internal roadblocks. I'm your host, Angela Kristen Taylor. I'm an entrepreneur, writer, speaker, and I've been right where you are. I've asked myself that same question a thousand times, and it only took me 20 years to figure out the answer. In each episode, we'll go deep into the emotional roadblocks and a brand new integrative approach that I call Productive Flow, bringing together your emotion, your energy, your time, and your focus to help you create natural productive flow and achieve higher levels of success in business and in life. Now, let's jump in. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Productive Flow. Uh, I am still talking about sales matchers today. I am very excited about this topic, if you can tell. And um, I created a list that goes over um, top 10 signs that you're a sales matcher. Now, this is an email opt-in, right? So... (laughs) You could sign up on my email list and get this list. But as we all know, really great opt-ins, it's not just about what you get in the opt-in, it's about the follow-up, right? So what I wanted to do is in this episode, I wanted to go over what those top 10 things are on that list. And then I want to encourage you to go and sign up for that list so that you can receive the emails that come after it. Because here's the thing. If you identify with these top 10 things and you're like, oh my God, I'm a sales matcher, right? (laughs) Then you need to know what the next steps are. And the thing is, is that, and I've said this before, right? But as someone who has been trained as a sales trainer, right? As a sales manager, and and I've I've trained other people on how to train salespeople in the past. And the thing is, is that we're always taught that you need to focus on your top 20% of your sales staff, because those are the people who are going to be successful long term. And that the other 80%, they're going to kind of just cycle through, they're going to be in and out, they're going to, um, you know, be like your your fluctuating staff, they're going to come and go. And what's interesting is that The reason that that is, is because those 80% are sales matchers. They're not sales hunters, they're sales matchers. And that's why they're not successful is because they're being trained to the sales hunter mentality instead of the sales matcher mentality. Now, just imagine if you could identify, so I'm talking to my sales managers, my sales trainers here. If you can identify and separate your sales staff and say, okay, these people are sales hunters, and these people are sales matchers. And then you create two different training tracks that are based on their personality and sales style. And then from there, what you're going to find is that your sales matchers start to succeed at the same level your sales hunters are going to succeed at. Because you're training you're holding them accountable and you're motivating them on the same 
basis that you can your sales hunters, but you're doing it in the way that works for them. Yeah, that's powerful, right? Imagine what that would do for your numbers. (laughs) And not just that, imagine what that does for your retention rate which means that's affecting your bottom line because now you're not having to spend a fortune of money on constantly recruiting to solve your attrition problem, right? Okay, so now I'm talking back to my sales matchers, (laughs) okay? (laughs) So my sales matchers, we're gonna go through this top 10 list. And if this sounds like you, uh, or if you're a sales trainer and manager and you're like, I wanna know who was who on my sales staff so I know what better to do, then get this list. Um, We're going to put the link in the show notes for you. And when you get the list, the follow-up emails go through several days of teaching you exactly what you need to do next. Okay? All right. So let me pull up my list so that I have it. All right. So you might be a sales matcher if, number one, Do you want me to start at number 10 and go backwards like a top 10 list? Let's do that. Okay, number 10, (laughs) you might be a sales manager. If you love learning new things that'll help you better serve your clients because you honestly want to make a positive difference in their lives and have a hard time feeling like you know enough to truly do that in the way you want. Ooh, (laughs) yeah. So that is one of the things that I hear so, so often is that they love learning new things. They love serving their clients. When it comes down to it, they feel like they're just not enough, that they don't know enough, that they're not enough. Yeah. All right. Number nine, (laughs) you might be a matcher if you often find ways to criticize yourself for somehow not doing or being enough. Yeah, take a deep breath with that one. That's a big deal. And the thing is, is that this shows up a lot in comparisonitis. And this is why um, your method of for training of having a sales board, a leaderboard with the top people across doesn't work for your matchers because it just reinforces that belief that they're not enough and why do they continue making the effort? All right, number eight, you might be a matcher if you don't know where your time goes during the day and you have a hard time shutting down at night. It feels like you never get anything done and you're always stuck in the same loop. That's another one that I hear constantly is this feeling of overwhelm and clutter and disorganization. And it's like, I don't even know what happened. I've just put out fires all day, right? And and there's this feeling at night where we go back into that place of, did I get everything done? Did I make everything happen? I didn't. And then you start to beat yourself up and you, you, put, you put out fires all day and you spend time looking for things and being just, it's all over the place, right? And you feel like somehow it's just, you're never enough again. Yeah, that's the feeling. It's not the truth. It's not the true story. It's just the feeling that happens. And that feeling, as we know, productivity is rooted in emotion. That feeling is going to drive your activities the very next day and that same day. 
going to keep driving your activities. So if you're going to change that, you've got to change the feeling. All right. Okay. Number seven, you might be a sales matcher if you spend lots of time focused on how to get new business without actually having to talk to someone. So stuff like posting on social media, sending blanket emails, writing blog posts, and sometimes attending networking events, but staying to the sidelines unless someone comes up to talk to you. I've been guilty of that one myself. (laughs) I like to stay home. I like to stay in my cave. Um, And I love networking events, but it took me a really long time to start actually connecting with people at them instead of just kind of um, going up to the bar, getting something to drink, and then taking my drink, (laughs) settling back against the wall and be like, on the one hand, I really hope somebody comes to talk to me. And on the other hand, I really hope they don't. Because if they don't talk to me, then, then I can just go home and I can go back to my cave and then I can take a hot bath and I can just forget this ever happened. Right. Okay. All right. Number six, you might be a sales matcher if you aren't often treated with respect and have a hard time setting and or maintaining boundaries. So this is when you find like, oh my gosh, I see this with my realtor so much where they work with buyers and the buyers like are canceling at the last second. Um, they, they, are supposed to meet them at a house and then the buyers are an hour late or they call them after an hour, like, sorry, we're not going to make it. And you've done all the work and set up all the showings. Yeah. Um, This can also happen in the team environment. So where you feel like you're the one who's always kind of getting stepped on and you're happy to kind of step out of the way to let other people kind of step up to the plate or, or speak their minds because you don't really feel safe doing that. But what happens is it just, it it gets to the point where you're always the doormat. You're always the doormat. And it happens at home. It happens with your family. It happens with other people. It happens with your friends. And it's a really common trait for sales matchers because you're always wanting to give and you feel really conflicted about taking up space like for you to take up space so that that feeling feels very uncomfortable. And so when you're, when you feel like you're giving and giving and giving, you're there proving your worth. And so you feel like that's okay. Like you're allowed to take up space if you're proving your value while you're doing it. But if you're, if you're going to speak up for yourself or say, no, actually it's not okay that you're an hour late. This happens every single time. And so I need to ask you, like, are you serious about really wanting to find a house? Because if you are, then then we need to make these appointments because it takes a lot of work, right? All right. Where are we at? All right, number five. You might be a sales matcher if, even though clients love you, they don't often refer you new business. That generally speaking comes from that same space of uh, not being treated with respect, um, having a fear of taking up space, uh, not wanting to ask for a testimonial or a referral because you feel like, oh my gosh, if I ask, what if they say no? What if they say, 
we would never refer you. You were terrible. Even though they seemed like they loved you, maybe they were faking it, right? Like these are the things that run through our minds as matchers. So yeah, so that's, um, it, it does lead into that not being treated with respect and, and having a fear that people ultimately will reject us or not feel that what we offered was of value to them, right? All right, number four, you might be a sales matcher if you go above and beyond for every single client, like pets it when they go on vacation beyond, okay? <laughs> so I've known a lot of my clients, realtor clients who will help their clients move like literally move furniture, help their clients paint, help their clients clean, <laughs> pet sit for their for them when they go on vacation. Um, yeah, like really go above and beyond. And the thing is, is this, this is part of that doormat mentality that creates the lack of boundaries, that creates the lack of respect. And people just assume that you're gonna show up and be there because you're the person who saves the day, right? And in the one sense, we feel like the sense of satisfaction when that happens, because it's like, oh, good. Oh, good. They see me as valuable. Oh, good. They rely on me. They depend on me. So therefore, I have value. And we need to be able to come to the space where we feel of value just for being ourselves and being part of the experience in the way we're supposed to be part of it, and that we don't have to go above and beyond to add value to the scenario. Like you're a value just because you're there. You are of value. End of story. You don't have to prove yourself in all these other ways to be of value, right? All right. Number three, you might be a sales matcher if the clients you do work with can't stop thanking you because you're actually amazing at what you do. <laughs> now, this is the thing. Because when you're a sales matcher, you literally do all of the things like you study, you learn, you, um, you've been through this stuff so well, you, you've just, because you've spent so much time trying to avoid actually talking to people, <laughs> you have learned everything there is to learn. And you do have experience because you have worked with people because there are people that really value who you are and how you make them feel. This is one of your strengths as a matcher, right? So you have a lot of experience. It's just the work that you get, the clients that you get are not consistent because you're not taking the consistent actions to get yourself the business that you deserve, right? So instead... The sales hunters are the ones out there getting that business. And the sales hunters are the ones that don't do all of that stuff. They're like, wham, bam, thank you, man, with the numbers. <laughs> you know? And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just they have their style and you have yours. Sales matchers are usually the most well-educated and diversely experienced individuals on your sales staff. Okay, so keep that in mind when you let those people cycle through, like those are your best people. You just gotta teach them, motivate them and hold them accountable in a way that works for them. Wanna learn more about productive flow and connect with other business owners and salespeople on the same journey? Then go join our free Facebook group at productiveflowgroup.com. It's free and you'll also get access to special content and resources. See you inside the group.
right, number two, you might be a sales matcher if traditional sales techniques like calling your sphere and asking for referrals feels anywhere from icky to terrifying, okay? Now, the sales trainers will tell you in those situations to suck it up and just do it. It's like eat the frog mentality, <laughs> like just make the call, just get on the phone. And once you do one, then it gets easier, right? And the thing is, is that if you're, if you're really truly a sales manager, it, it doesn't get any easier, right? Like, and when you start calling people and you feel like, okay, I'm calling people and I'm having conversations and we swapped, um, you know, recipes and things, that feels really good. <laughs> And so you're like really getting to know them and you're like, you know, their kids' names and it all is well in the world. But when it comes to having to ask for referrals, it's like, oh my God, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And so that is the thing that you have to watch out for. And so you have to be able to learn how to go from making a phone call and building that rapport, which you are so incredibly amazing at, and taking that and swapping over to getting your business out there, asking them about who they might know who could use their help and doing it in a way that feels really validating for you, right? And you can start that. I'm going to give you a little tip here. You can start that by mirroring. So what you do is you ask them, say, listen, you know, I was wondering if there's something that I can do to really help you, someone I can connect you with, someone that or, or something that I can connect you with. And then there's other things that you can do too, like actually reaching out and doing something to help or support them. So somewhere in the conversation, maybe they mentioned something. Um, like maybe there was a recipe that they really wanted and and they they couldn't track down or something like that. And then you send them one with a handwritten note just saying, I found this and it made me, it reminded me of our conversation the other day. And I love being a support for you in your life. And if I can ever do something else for you or someone you know, here's my card. You can put that out there. And so it's a little easier that way because you're adding value and then they in turn want to add value back right? And so it's just, it's swapping up sometimes just the languaging of how you're doing it. And also the mindset around the value that you actually have, right? So I'm going to tell you a little story here. Um, there was a, a woman that a realtor that I was working with in New York. And so her, she was not my client directly. Her, um, the owner of the real estate corporation was my client. And so he brought me in to break down what was going wrong in his office and why they were his agents were struggling so much and how to really turn that around and turn their sales team and staff around and just the whole operations for the office. And so I, I went to New York and I actually did this in person. And uh, with this particular agent, she was absolutely 100% a sales matcher. Now, this was also the woman who brought candy to the office, who brought fresh bakery goods that she made at home to the office. She was always bringing in casserole dishes and everything. Like she loved being the one who showed up and served, right? And she had books of clients and she would go above and beyond for them in so many ways. And yet also just be so focused on supporting them, right? 
And she did an amazing job as an agent, like amazing job. She was so talented, so well-educated and so well-versed in the industry. Like she really was an expert. And I couldn't figure out, I'm like, what is going wrong? Why is this woman, she's <laughs> struggling for business. And the business she would bring in would always be at a very, very low rate, you know, so agents can, you know, negotiate their commission. And there is no standard as we know, right? But um, at the time, most people were getting around six to 7% in listing commission. And she was walking in the door with four if she even secured the listing. And so come to find out, and the reason I found this out is because I, I went to with her to a listing appointment and shattered her to figure out like what's going on here, you know? And when we got, she did a very good job of building rapport, of doing all the things, of really showing and demonstrating her value as an agent so well and so meticulously. Like they were leaning forward. They had all the right body language. They were focused on what she was saying. They were nodding their heads. Yes, it was like all good, right? And then she gets to the part of the listing agreement. She's at that point, she was explaining the listing agreement. They were all go, right? And then she gets to the point where she goes, and I'm very sorry about this, but um, we have to collect a real estate commission. And so we're supposed to ask for at least six, but I, I hate to charge you that much. I think, I think, you know, we can get, I can take one, we can offer three. And, and so we'll, we'll do it for four. Okay. We'll do it for four. And they were like, oh, and then they kind of sit back and you would see the change in the body language because what she did at that point, because she, what she was thinking she was doing was being generous and saving them money and helping them, right? But in reality, she just lost every bit of confidence that they had in her. And so it, it, didn't go anywhere after that. It was like, done, done. It, we need to interview more people. Thank you so much for your time. You know, that kind of thing. She, okay, okay, I understand. You know, take your time. I'll call and follow up with you in a few days. You know, that she doesn't get the listing. Um, and so after working with her specifically on the things that were making her feel like she had no value, that people could not perceive her value and that she wasn't worth the money that she was charging or should be charging. And what happened was she, she went out on a listing appointment on her own and she comes back in and she is jumping up and down, literally jumping up and down with papers in her head, like, ah! you know, and uh, she shows me and then she points to the commission percentage and she got 10%, 10% commission on a residential listing, which is <laughs> like, wow, right? And the thing was, is that we, we talked about her stories around where her value was. And when she really started to understand how much value she truly offered it, and here's the kicker, believed it. She believed it. She was able to walk away with a 10% listing commission. That's a huge difference. Huge. Okay. All right. So just so you know, sales matchers, it can be done. <laughs> it can be accomplished. And there's no reason that you cannot be doing 
the same amount of business as the sales hunters out there. Trainers, managers, there is no reason that 100% of your sales staff is not performing. There's no reason. You have to train them differently. You have to hold them accountable differently. And you have to motivate them differently. Okay? All right. If you have questions on that, reach out to me, ak at angelakristentaylor.com. I am more than happy to go through those things with you and help you guys understand. Um, I do make myself available periodically for consulting projects like I did with that organization in New York. Um, So just let me know. All right. So number one, drum roll. (laughs) Sorry, it was a really sucky drum roll. All right. Number one, you might be a salesman matcher if you aren't making many or any sales because you don't actually tell people what you do unless they ask. (laughs) I think that one hurts the most. (laughs) So, okay. Here's the thing. Not too long ago, um, I realized that I talk a lot about my business on LinkedIn um, and to my email list and, um, you know, when I do trainings and workshops and podcast guesting and my podcast show, I talk about what I do all the time. But when it came to my personal Facebook profile, I didn't, (laughs) I didn't. And I had some people that I went to high school with and family members and cousins, extended family members, stuff like that that would reach out to me and think that I was um, something to do with food and that I was like a health coach, something along those lines. And they would reach out to me about uh, like plant-based diets and they would reach out to me about um, eating healthier and things like that. And like, you know, a lot about this. And, you know, I thought I'd reach out to you and ask you some questions if you don't mind. And Yeah, here's the thing. I I am certified as a health coach. I use it in my work because nutrition is part of what feeds our our energy and energy is one of the element, four elements of productive flow. But (laughs) none of these people realized that I didn't work in food (laughs) for a living and that I was actually an integrated productivity coach. They, They didn't know that. They didn't know that I was a business consultant, a strategist, a um, you know, an author and a speaker, they didn't know any of that stuff. They just thought I dealt in food somehow. <laughs> and so they're like, what do you recommend? <laughs> what kind of, they thought I sold products or something like I was a stay at home mom with a side hustle kind of thing. And, um, and so it was really interesting. It was very surprising to me to find that out. And I thought, well, I talk about my business all the time, but not on Facebook. And here's the thing, with a lot of sales matchers, they have no problem talking about what they do to people who do not know them if that person asks. But the people who they already know, like, and trust, which coincidentally are the ones most likely to buy from you and refer you, those people, those people were not getting the information. They were not getting the information. And it's because there's there's no conversation about it. Because when we feel like we, we're going to talk about what we do, we feel like we're asking for money. And when we feel like we're asking for money, we feel like we're begging or we're doing something wrong. We don't see 
money as a resource or a tool, we see it as all of a sudden, somewhere along the line, your parents told you you were selfish because <laughs> you asked for a toy you shouldn't have asked for or something. And, uh, and, and then here we go. Now that story kicks back up again, right? So now if you're asking for business or you say, hey, if this is something you're interested in, give me a call, look me up. This is what I do for a living, right? Then all of a sudden now we're being selfish. We're putting other people's, we're putting our needs in front of other people's and that's not okay. Now we're greedy. Now we're non-deserving. Why would anybody even want to work with us at all? We have no value. And then we go right back into that beating ourselves up cycle, uh, which as you remember was number nine on the list, <laughs> finding ways to criticize yourself. So yeah. If this sounds like you, I want you to download this list. So um, I'm going to give you the link here, but we're going to put it into the show notes for you. I got to find it. Sorry, you should have this. It is list.productiveflow.com. So again, that is list, L-I-S-T, dot productiveflow.com. So if you go there, it says right up top, are you a matcher? You might be a sales matcher if... Grab your top 10 list of telltale signs. You are definitely a sales matcher and what to do to grow your business and achieve your end goals when all those traditional sales and productivity training tactics have left you feeling overwhelmed, disorganized, and stressed out. So as you know, and I've told you already, there is um, follow-up email series with that that gives you a lot of great pointers. And um, you know, if this is something that interests you, you know I have... Uh, several different offerings surrounding this, including creating sales matcher training for your organization specifically and running private groups or having you join as an individual or with your own accountability pod group um, with Productive Flow Prosperity, which is only $47 a month. So that's a very, very low ticket offer for you guys. Uh, almost anybody can afford that. Okay. So, and, you know, I do offer one-to-one -one training, one-to-one -one coaching. So if that's something you're interested in, let me know. I have limited availability for that. Um, but yeah, guys, you might be a sales matcher. I'm a sales matcher, <laughs> but I learned how to do it differently. And that's why I'm successful. Okay. So I want you to keep this in mind and remind yourself that being a sales matcher does not make you wrong. It doesn't make you weird. It doesn't mean that you have no value just means that you have a different way of doing things. You have a different way of looking at things. And honestly, your way is a beautiful, beautiful way. It really is. Okay. So you got all your information. I hope you enjoyed the show today. I really enjoyed doing this one for you. And um, happy holidays, you guys. We're coming up on Christmas. So, or whatever holiday you celebrate. It's cool. <laughs> All right, guys, take care. Talk soon. Bye. Thanks for listening. And especially, thank you for sharing the show and leaving a review on iTunes. Every time you share the show, you are potentially changing someone's life. Want to learn more about Productive Flow and connect with other business owners and salespeople on the same journey? Then go join our free Facebook group at ProductiveFlowGroup.com. It's free, and you'll also get access to special content and resources. Now, stay tuned for the next episode of Productive Flow.